to Inspiring Healthy Workplaces, a podcast brought to you by Total Wellness. Good day, this is Alan Cole. I'm the host of our podcast called Inspiring Healthy Workplaces. Today I have Lori Clough, who is a PhD and research psychologist with RTI. And Lori, I want to welcome you today and I'd love to learn a lot today from you and maybe get an idea of what the the future of corporate wellness could be. Great. Well, thanks, Alan. I guess let me just start off by saying that um, I'm a research psychologist at RTI International. We're an independent research organization dedicated to improving the human condition. And we have about 5,000 employees globally. So my research, similar to yours, focuses on workplace health and safety. And uh, one of my recent projects was the Workplace Health in America survey that was funded by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So we were really a close partner with them in all of this. So let me go ahead and give you kind of the top-level finding, the highlight of, uh, you know, the kind of the, the headline finding for this. Okay. So this was a national survey of U.S. work sites, and we found that nationally, across all different sizes and industry groups, including private sector and public sector, 46% of, of work sites reported having some type of health promotion or wellness program. And we define that pretty broadly. So it could have been really kind of informational only, or it could have been quite comprehensive. And that percentage really varied a lot based on worksite size. So, you know, we were down in just like about 40% for the very small worksites, up to 92% in the larger work sites. And I think that this really reflects this growing recognition that work and health are, you know, really strongly linked. The conditions of a person's work, workplace affects their uh, physical and mental health, and the employee's health really affects the success of the workplace. So I see American workplaces trying to promote employee health, you know, with almost half of them offering some type of a wellness program. So what would you define as, like, the very basic wellness program that a company would offer that you would define them in that percentage? Does it have to use one activity of, of a kind, uh, or uh, how do you define yeah, that? So we defined it really very broadly. So it was basically if they had any kind of educational materials, any activities or classes. I mean, it could be just like a lunchtime seminar, brown bag thing, or if they offered screenings, um, maybe they have some kind of um, environmental supports in place, a, you know, a cafeteria with healthier foods. So to, you know, kind of be classified as having a program for the purposes of this survey, they really needed to only, you know, in their own mind be able to say, yep, we do at least one of those things. Okay. So uh, the trend was like the larger the organization, the more they do. Was there any correlation of this, did you get any outcomes like based on are these programs successful in reaching their goals or was there any measurement along those lines on that research or was it more just about if they were doing a program and right so and, so yeah so. that's a good a good point so with the survey we really weren't able to di- to directly evaluate how successful the programs were and we you know we kind of debated whether or not we wanted to get just the person, the respondent's perception of how successful do you think this program was. And in the end, we decided not to. We tried to get at kind of success a different way. We asked some questions about 
how well the programs were designed. So, you know, to what extent did they do a needs assessment before they put their program together? Were they actually doing any evaluations of their own programs? And we did find that about half of those work sites that said they had a program did do some kind of an evaluation of their program, and they mostly used employee participation and uh, employees' feedback about the program as their as their metrics. Uh, we um, we right. asked about how the extent to which they were used, uh, implementing comprehensive health promotion programs, and then um, we asked a lot about what types of evidence based practices they had in place. So I mean, I, go ahead. And was there was there any trend? I mean, the larger organizations probably had a lot more measurement and feedback on their successes for participation and and so forth. Uh, was that yeah, pretty I mean, evident, or like, was there a cutoff point where they you started seeing certain size employer, then they were pretty much even after that Well, point? okay, so our, our results are unique because about two-thirds of the respondents were small in that they had fewer than 50 employer, employees present at the work site. Okay. And it's, you know, if you've looked at the other data from national surveys, it's, it's actually pretty rare to have any data for work sites with fewer than 50 employees. So across the board on, on everything, whether it was in terms of whether they evaluated or the types of offerings they had, lower percentages of small work sites offered just about everything compared to the larger work sites. What's, what's interesting though is that when we asked them about what kind of challenges they had to offering worksite health promotion programs, they rated a series of different factors you know, you won't be surprised that cost was rated as a big challenge by the largest percentage of work sites. And there was really no difference in size based on, um, you know, in terms of what these work sites rated as their biggest challenges. Regardless of their size, it was, you know, cost is our biggest challenge, followed by competing business demands. And then it kind of fell away from there to lack of employee interest, lack of experienced staff. So in terms of kind of what they see as their obstacles, at least in terms of the questions we asked, there wasn't that much difference based on um, worksite size. So, so, I mean, I guess the bottom line, really, we found that employers are doing more than ever before in terms of what, you know, what's being measured to promote employee health and safety. You know, RTI found that the percentage of worksites with these comprehensive health promotion programs, which are kind of considered to be the gold standard for health promotion, Increased from, you know, just 7% of work sites in 2004 to 17% in 2017. So while we see this big increase, it does still leave lots of room for employment, uh, for improvement, especially in those smaller work sites. Right. So the 7 to up to 17, the 10% increase, most of that was due right. to large employer groups, yes. right? Which are only one third, one third uh, of the mm-hmm. of the end number, right? And I guess I, guess I should say to get really in the weeds on this, 2004's data didn't include any any work sites that had fewer than 50. So we had to. This was just kind of a subset of our data. So <clears throat> among the comparable work sites, it increased from seven to 17. We don't really have a baseline for those smaller work sites in terms of comprehensiveness, but it was it was definitely lower than 17 percent among the work sites with fewer than. Uh, 50 employees. We did some modeling related to having this comprehensive health promotion program. And and let me just kind of tell you what what we defined 
that as. Um, we use the Healthy People 2010 definition, and that is having some element of health education, health screenings. We needed to have the health promotion program integrated with other parts of the organization and linked to other programs within the organization. So using that as kind of the, the standard that they had to have all five elements to have to be considered having a comprehensive program, we found that the factors that were really necessary to, to getting there was having an, having an annual budget, having had a program in place for five years, and having a person assigned responsibility for the program were really the best predictors for having a comprehensive program. And that much better predictors than the worksite size or what industry it was in. So, you know, it isn't really so much that worksite size is necessarily a limiting factor. Right. Yeah, you have to have that champion that's mm-hmm. going to keep the keep the momentum going, keep the programs going, and then yep. have whatever budget you can put aside. I see it in the industry that there's a lot of technology. Do you see? Did you see any results of your research that indicated that employers are using a lot of technology to promote well-being in the workplace? And is there any particular focus area that you saw in your research, well, or um, just kind of in general? Our survey found that fewer than 10% of the work sites use technology like activity trackers or, you know, in the specific question was whether they provided activity tracking devices to employees either free or at a reduced cost. I don't really have any other specific uh, results related to that. And we, so we really didn't delve into technology so much. Uh, did you look at incentives versus uh, what if, if employers offered incentives what type of incentives they uh, use to get employees to participate in a wellness or well-being program? Uh, yeah, so we did have some questions on incentives, and we found that uh, about half, so 53% of the work sites that had a wellness program said that they offered incentives, and like most other things, those larger work sites were more likely to offer them compared to the smaller work sites. The most common types of incentives they said they offered were gifts or prizes. That was about um, two-thirds of those who offered incentives. Cash was kind of the runner-up there with just over half of them. Uh, and then insurance insurance premium discounts, another just over half offered those as their incentive. In terms of like kind of how they, um, you know, doled them out, we found that about 80% of them offered the incentives tied to just participation while... About a third of them tied the incentives to having to achieve some kind of a health standard. And then we were, we were interested in kind of were these effective, at least from the perspective of our respondents. And the response there was a little bit lukewarm. So um, our respondents said that um, about a third of them said that the incentives they had were effective, uh, only 11% said that they were extremely effective. And then the biggest chunk of them, half, said that they were just somewhat effective. So, you know, I'm not sure if they're getting the the return on investment for those incentives. You have these incentives in place, and they may help in the short term, but in the long term, it's unknown whether you're going to get, you know, a, a long term. I mean, another work that we've done, RTI has done for CDC uh, workplace health evaluations, it really does have to be an environmental change. And that can be in terms of the policies that kind of affect everybody at the workplace, as well as the physical environment, you know, and the, and the social environment. So 
some of the opportunities for improvement, I think even small employers can make without a lot of cost would be making even small changes to the work environment to, as you said, really kind of make it easier for employees to make healthier choices. And that could be as easy as, you know, directing people to take the stairs, right, instead of the elevator, cleaning them up so there aren't, you know, scary cobwebs and stuff in the stairwells, even making the food options that are available for purchase at the work site healthier options and making that clear to employees with different, you know, signage and, and messaging. So, I, I mean, I think that that is a good point. And, of course, those workplaces exist within the larger community, so it's all kind of complementary. What other insight did you get from your study that was kind of a surprise or that you didn't think uh, you would glean from your research that was helpful that companies could look towards the future as a good trend? Uh, so, I, I mean, it was somewhat of a surprise, although I guess okay. I kind of was looking for it. Based on RTI's workplace substance misuse prevention work, we've really been advocating that more employers should support employees to prevent excessive alcohol use, opioid, and other substance misuse. I mean, we know that substance misuse is tremendously costly to employers, yet, you know, we found that with the survey, only even among those work sites that had a health promotion program, only a third of those offered any kind of programming around substance abuse. So, you know, although we've got about half of U.S. work sites offering wellness programs, the other half is really missing out on the opportunity to invest in their employees' well-being and really in their own bottom lines. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the half-empty, half-full situation here. You know, yes, we're making progress, but there's still a big gap that can be filled to, to everyone's benefit, I think. Yeah, so does that tie a little bit into mental health when you talk about uh, substance abuse and addictions? Is that kind of the gap that we're seeing that they're not providing a lot of support? You know, we asked a bit about whether or not the work sites had any kind of stress prevention programs or stress management programs, and that was the third most common health topic that was um, done by the employers. We asked about depression screenings, um, and that was pretty rare, particularly among small employees. But, you know, we just, we know that employer employees are really affected by the workplace environment. So having a, a supportive social environment is a really big deal in terms of preventing behavioral health issues. I mean, there's, there's just mounting evidence about how much chronic health conditions and how much opioid and other substance abuse costs employers and lost productivity. So employers who are investing in a healthier workforce and a healthier environment are going to have a competitive advantage. And I think it's, it's easily not, it's not apparent unless you start digging a little bit or offering those programs that people have those issues. It really takes consistency and, and, and providing that supportive environment within the workplace and that there's no stigma attached to any, anything that uh, employees may have need help with. And the more you remove that stigma, the more likely they're to get some kind of help and having a supportive workplace is, is a positive thing. I, and that's something that any size company, especially small companies, can do. So anything else from your research that, that would be useful for everybody to understand? Was there any geographical significant differences? Uh, we found nothing, certainly nothing consistent, maybe some one-offs. We did see some differences um, based on industries. 
we we had a separate a special sample that was just hospitals and uh, hospitals for the most part were doing more across the board. And I think that's partly because of their culture of health that was present and, you know, having more resources and more knowledgeable people on staff to potentially implement these programs. The biggest differences were in the sizes and it right, that makes sense. was mostly just the difference between kind of the very small ones and the, the very large ones. So would there be anything that you could say, well, uh, for especially small employer groups to uh, encourage them to develop a well-being program in the future um, from the research? I mean, I would advocate for, you know, small employers and large employers putting more programs and practices in place that have already been shown to be effective. I mean, no need to reinvent the wheel. There are a lot of free resources available. CDC has a whole workplace health resource center with, you know, a lot of uh, strategies that you can kind of take and customize a little bit and just put right into place. We already talked a little bit about making changes to the work environment that don't have to be super elaborate or expensive, but they're something that is just always there. You don't have to have somebody constantly delivering something new all the time. And then one of the, one of the interesting things we found was that um, safety programs were, were really quite common across all worksite sizes, you know, partly because they're, they're mandatory in some cases, but this is a chance for worksites to capitalize on these existing right. safety programs and integrate some of the health promotion messaging and activities with those kind of institutionalized and trusted safety programs. So, you know, these these health promotion and health protection are really interrelated and it's kind of the total worker health model, but it's it's a really good opportunity, it's something that's already there, employees are familiar with it. So leverage that. Well, I yeah, I agree. It's that there's a lot of free resources or low cost resources out there. And so um, I appreciate your time today. And please keep in touch. And thank you for joining our podcast, Inspiring Healthy Workplaces.